This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Keep unlocking more of yourself, continuing to see the depth of love within yourself, to see the magic of your existence. Valeria Tellez interviews Deepika Sandhu, the author of Hello Universe, It's Me, how I scheduled a breakdown and manifested a new life, and how you can too. Deepika Sandhu is a mom, businesswoman, and book author. She was born in Surrey, British Columbia, but spent most of her life in California. She is a partner at a San Francisco Bay Area-based consulting firm, where she advises high-growth companies as they inspire the world with innovation. For over 20 years, she has helped transform burgeoning businesses into elegant operations. While she has worked with many of the most innovative, up-and-coming technology companies, her favorite title is Mom. She has the fortunate pleasure of being mom to a fun-loving, sassy, brave, and highly courageous seven-year-old. Life wasn't always so rosy. On the outside, Deepika's life looked perfect. Nice cars, nice home, nice clothes, nice purses, fun vacations, and lots of smiles posted on social media. She was winning at the game of life. If she was in a giant football stadium, the big monitors over the field would be flashing in bold caps. You are killing it. Problem is, she was not only killing it, it was killing her. None of her checklists, none of her to-do lists, and none of the activities or people that were filling her life were making her happy. She needed a control-alt-delete on her life. She needed a reboot. She needed to throw all those checklists out the window. She needed an I dream of genie head nod to shake things up and get this all back on track. So Deepika did the only thing a high-powered career woman, super mom, and Pinterest enthusiast could do when her life is starting to crumble. She scheduled a breakdown. Her latest book is a story of how she scheduled a breakdown, raised her vibration, and changed her life. Meet Deepika at HelloUniverseIt'sMe.com. Here is the interview with Deepika Sandhu. In your own words, who is Deepika Sandhu? Oh, Deepika Sandhu is a career woman a mom and someone who spent many years just trying to figure out why checking all those boxes all these years didn't work for me and to find someone who had to find a new way forward 
she did it and it worked and everyone else can do it too. How would you describe that, Deepika? This new way of seeing the world, this perspective, this new enlightened perspective. You know, you grow, I grew up with a lot of social conditioning around what was considered acceptable, what was considered right, what was considered proper. And I think I got to a certain point in my life that I realized all that conditioning narrowed my view of the world and my space within it. So when I was able to break that apart a little bit, actually blow it apart, if yeah. you will, yeah. then I was able to get to a place where I could hit all of this new way of thinking. And that has just opened up so much more freedom for me as a person to explore who I am and how I want to traverse this world that we're in. To me, it takes courage. Would you say courage or trust? When we embark oh, in courage, courage, lots of courage to know that that little voice within you is worth listening to, right. that if you can see something slightly different for yourself, be courageous enough to explore it. Um, I, I think it's a lot of courage um, that what you're hearing, you're worthy of exploring. And I guess there's trust there too, right? right. Trust that you're yeah. seeing all of this for a reason, right? Trust that this new path is here for a reason. Do you consider the way you see the world these days, this new way of thinking, of living, spiritual? Or it's something different? I do consider it to be spiritual, but I like to call it a spiritual practice, right? I feel like this view that I have on the world now is you know, a way that universe, God, spirit, whatever we call it, is moving us forward and helping us engage more deeply with the world. But I always say that it's also a practice because day in and day out, we have to stay in this mindset, stay in this way of being so that we can access more, right? So, yeah. and there's days you trip up, right? And there's days that it doesn't quite work for you. And that's okay. It's just like fitness training, you know, or <laughs> lifting weights or whatever it is. Yeah. Some days it doesn't feel as good, but some days you can lift a lot more. It's mm. the same thing with the spiritual practices. Every step unlocks a little bit more for you, but you have to stay committed to the process. And when you speak of these um, setbacks, so trip-ups, you call it? What would that look like? Well, because we're, you're, we're humans experiencing a human, a human experience, right? And life has layers of complexity to it. There are downright hard days. Yeah. And those are days when sometimes continuing to lean into our spiritual practices doesn't feel so good to us. It might feel better to yell for a minute or cry, <laughs> cry for, a, you know, some period of time or pound yeah. our fists or whatever it is. But, you know, we can have the reactions because we are living this life, but we can always choose to come back to our spiritual practices. So we can view those as setbacks, or we could sort of view them as a reset, right? Mm. We're resetting and recommitting to our more spiritual ways. So, you know, I let myself be human. I let myself cry. I let myself get mad. And, you know, maybe yeah. I do have an argument with someone. Not everything stops because you're on this spiritual <laughs> plane, right. Right. but, um, what I use those moments as is, is an epiphany or I'm sorry, a, an understanding that 
this is not the way I needed to do this. I can always come back to my spiritual practices. And when I do, I feel like I always come back to them in a deeper way. So I allow those human experiences to elevate my own spiritual practices as time progresses. Yeah. Speaking of those resets, talk to me about your understanding of balance. What is to have this balance, to live this balanced life? Do you believe in such a thing? You know, I grew up in the corporate world, right? I have been a business executive for my entire professional 22-year career, helping some of the fastest-moving companies um, become more mature operations. And as women in the working world, we were always taught it's about work-life balance. And I recently come to the conclusion that this way of thinking was actually really flawed. I don't need a in work-life balance, why is the word work first? Right? Mm, why yeah, Why is yeah. this such an important part of mm. the way that we talk about balance? Really, right. what I think it is, is we need to find our life's rhythm. We have many different parts of our lives. I am a daughter. I am a mother. I am a sister. I am a friend. I'm a business executive. I am the author of a new book. I'm all of these things. And in my 24 hours each and every day of my life, I have to find the rhythm that allows all these parts of myself to coexist. And that required really breaking down this idea that there is a balance between work and everything else that you do. That's not it, right? I think work is just one component of that life that you are living. We have historically given so much weight to that work and rightfully so, right? We have to make our living. We have to do these things. But I think the understanding that life is much larger than just what you do professionally and finding the rhythm that allows your professional pursuits, your personal pursuits, your creative pursuits, whatever it is that makes up all of life to exist um, in a way that resonates with you is so important. So I don't know how I feel about the word balance anymore. For me, I've just replaced it with this idea of finding my own rhythm. And when you speak of rhythm, do you connect, somehow connect it to the idea of purpose, of finding our purpose? Mm, Absolutely. It's about finding what it means to be you, what it means to be authentically you, what it means to be in this world. What is your role here in in this world, in the society? And what what is it that you're doing with all your time here? And is whatever you're doing aligning with what feels right to you? I know as a mom and a career woman and all these things, I was spending my time doing lots of things I didn't like (laughs) and I didn't want to do. I was living not by my to-do list or I was living by other people's to-do list, things that they thought were priorities for me, um, whether, you know, whomever that may be in in my life, you know, and I think finding that way to really align to you and what you desire and knowing that thinking about you is not selfish. It's self-care, right? And so aligning to your purpose for me is all of those things, right? Finding out what your role is in this world 
that feels authentic and feels fulfilling and feels aligned, truly aligned with yourself is so critical. This might be a good time to talk about intuition. How did you learn to listen to your intuition, Deepika? I think I spent so long fighting my intuition. Yeah, right? no, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think we have that. So for me, intuition is that voice within. It is that little spark. It's that inner knowing that sort of pops up and gives you a moment to pause and to think about something in a way that may not make a lot of sense to you when your mind gets going and gets involved in things. To me, that's the intuition. It's the spark. It's that moment. I think I spent a lot of my life silencing my intuition because I was so fixated on what I thought I needed to do as a proud daughter of immigrants in this country, working hard, going to school, getting good grades, doing things that were practical choices so that I could realize financial success was what I needed to do, right? Or what I was maybe conditioned to do. And I don't regret any of those choices, but I think my intuition, my inner knowing, my inner compass had a few other ideas along the way that I didn't give any airspace to until much later. But I ultimately cultivated, I think, my inner awareness once I started to get into uh, things like yoga. I I jokingly refer to yoga as my gateway drug to all (laughs) things spirituality related because today yoga is not at all a part of what I do as far as my spiritual practices. But I think being exposed to yoga and spending so many years Uh, connecting more deeply with my body through these various yoga poses actually allowed me to start to hear that voice, that inner compass within me and move more in that direction. Nowadays, though, now that I've moved more into this space, um, I feel like I'm constantly cultivating my intuition, you know, just like, you know, you got to brush your teeth every day and wash your face and do the dishes. Mm-hmm. For yeah. me, it's uh, what about my day am I doing to make sure that I'm cultivating those moments of silence, connecting deeply with myself and doing the things that I need to do in order to allow my intuition to come to the forefront. And for me now, it's much more of my guidance system, right? I try to be guided much more by my heart or my intuition Mm -hmm. than by my mind, as I was for so much of my life. Do you feel that your life would have been much different if you listened to your intuition much earlier? Yes, but I think it had to go this way, right? I think the sequencing of my life maybe had to go this way so I could have the revelations in the time that I did, you know? So yeah, maybe my intuition told me to not date this person or to date this person. Um, Maybe my intuition told me not to turn left and I turned right. Maybe all those things changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, had I listened, but um, I think it had to go the way it did now. I may not have listened in the past, but I'm listening now. And, uh, you know, I feel like where my intuition, my inner compass is taking me now is is really incredible. And I'm happy that I'm in tune with it now. I'm not regretful that I wasn't more in tune with it earlier. You chose the word universe for the title of your book, and you mentioned, of course, throughout the book, the letters. So the title of your book is Hello Universe, It Is Me. 
how I scheduled a breakdown and manifested a new life and how you can too. So why did you use the word the universe instead of God and source, higher power and so on? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think for me, God had a lot of uh, connotation that was highly religious. And while I have a religion I like, I don't think my access to this higher realm or this highest self was coming through the religious doors that I was aware of. So for me, it was something even bigger than what I understood religion to provide. So for me, it wasn't God exactly. But I think, you know, I think it's all of these things are are coming at the same thing, right? Um, I am of the Sikh faith. And we say that God is one, God is all things, right? So for me, that is a word that can be used, but it is also source and it is also spirit and it is also the universe. To me, it's just all things and and universe felt a little more uh, all encompassing and resonated more for me. But I think whatever word resonates for everyone out there is perfectly wonderful and should be the word that they choose to you. For me, it was just universe because universe is every little speck of a thing that is Mm -hmm. out there from here to who knows where right Mm -hmm. so (laughs) for me that's what it was what was the main inspiration and intention of writing your book Deepika I often wonder if painters uh, see the painting before Mm -hmm. they stop painting start painting because for me I started to feel the book before I ever started to write the book. Um, I could start to feel a story forming. I could start to feel the way uh, the story needed to be told far in advance of any word hitting the page, right? So I I could sense that something was ready to come out of me. I, I almost felt as if there was something that needed to be birthed out of me similar to similar to that feeling of having a child and that is a lot of where this book came from right it was not a conscientious intention to sit down and write a book here I am at my laptop I'm ready to pound away here's the story I'm gonna write it was actually a lot of a feeling that something had to come out of me there was something inside and it had to be released Mm, and it was almost a reluctance on my part to want to release it into book format, right? In the in the sense that even though I knew it had to come out, I, I was almost too afraid to think I was going to write a book. I mean, who am I to write a book? I, I This was not my professional area of expertise. I had never studied it in depth. I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and, you know, it was not something that I was fully comfortable with. But it was meant for me to create. And um, I think the universe was not going to let me not create it. And so it ultimately took on its own form and its own energy in order to uh, come to be. You just mentioned something that's interesting, which I see around me a lot, my family members and all, this resistance, this fear to release. And I'm wondering why. Is that because of attachment? to what they believe, the belief systems they have? Yeah, I think it goes back, at least for me, to, you know, the 
conditioning of growing up, right? In, in the culture that I grew up in, it was all about how do you present yourself to others? Yeah. You know, do you look good enough? Do people believe you're um, smart enough or pretty enough? Are yeah. you, you know, and not in a negative way. I don't right. blame my parents for these beliefs. This is ingrained in their regular everyday lives too. But I think if you're trying to present like everything is always okay, then writing a book like Hello Universe, It's Me, where I really lay out that everything was not okay for me in my life, in my marriage, um, and that I really needed to make a change is scary, right? So this idea that we can control the way other people think of us or perceive us is part control, part conditioning, part resistance. But fighting that resistance when something is truly meant for you um, is foolish, right? It is when you're able to unlock it and move past it, it's it's incredible, right? It's an yeah. incredible feeling. And it might be because of, um, I mean, some people say it's not the time. We are not ready, like not being ready to listen to our intuition or my intuition, your intuition at that earlier time and age. So that might be it. We are not really ready to take on the truth, what life is all about yet. I think life only gives us enough that we can understand at every step of the way. And we're only able to see certain truths, understand those truths at the time when we're ready to receive the messages, Mm, right? So some of our resistance is building up because we don't think we're ready. Yet some of that resistance is sort of the energy building because we're about to unlock something really incredible. It's universe saying, you may not be ready, but I'm going to give you this lesson, <laughs> this, this, less, this breakthrough uh-huh. now because you need it now. And that can be mm-hmm. really incredible. There's something about when I think about what intuition is, it's really not easy to visualize, right, Deepika? Can you actually not even felt in a way? It's a knowing, isn't it? It is annoying. It is annoying. And I think I like to visualize it as a little spark, right? Mm -hmm. A little moment you're going along your day and suddenly you see a little, a little sparkler kind of going off like on 4th of July. And sometimes it's really tiny and you just kind of catch a glimpse of it and it makes you take a pause. And sometimes it's big full on fireworks uh, display and you're like, oh, wow, that's the only direction that I can go now. It's so clear to me. So for me, intuition does that, right? It gives you that spark, that that knowing that, wait a second, this must be something I'm supposed to consider more deeply, or this must be the direction that I'm able to head. At least that's the, how I like to see it in my mind. That's what it does for me. A little, a little fireworks, a little, a little tiny sparkler that goes off. In your book, you say, not sure where, but you said, I had no reason to question it. The life that I was living seemed to be similar to the way others around me were living too. The story you tell, I have a question about stories though. Why do you think, you mentioned the word release, which I can relate to it very much, right? In my own book, first book about my story and all that. And then that just ended, pretty much for now ended, has been years now. Do you see other meanings behind storytelling? Or telling our story hmm. besides I, releasing? I, I like that. You know, I look at stories as, 
as history, too. My father was great at telling us stories about himself back in India in the villages and you know just great very great tales that put us back in those moments there with him and I feel like stories are so much of our history right there's so much of what needs to be shared and needs to be conveyed to others um, as a means of archiving all of what we are. So I feel like stories play such a powerful purpose in how we communicate with each other. But also stories have such broad-ranging impact. They make us cry. They make us laugh. They make us deeply sad. They give us great joy. I mean, they're just a powerful method of uh, connecting. Mm, and I love yes. the idea of that connectedness yeah. uh, remaining even after we're not here anymore to tell those stories. So talk to me for a moment about the um, scheduling, the need to actually schedule a breakdown. Very interesting idea, as I mentioned, off record. I never heard it that way before. But I love the idea behind it, which is resetting, as you said, pause, reflection. Talk to me about how it came about to you, this inspiration to schedule a breakdown. I was so busy. I was so busy <laughs> all the time, right? I woke up early. I got to take care of my kid. I got to drop her off, feed her breakfast, drop her, get her ready for school, drop her off at school, run to the office, go meet clients, run around with my teams, get back in time to pick her up. I mean, just every minute of every day was packed to the nines, right? That I didn't have time to sit back and go, wait, is my life serving me? Does this make sense? Do I feel good doing any of the things that I was doing? And there was a moment where I was just in my closet upset about everything. And I kind of hiding in my closet under the light of my cell phone going, I, I absolutely need a break. And looking at my calendar, seeing no space to take a break, right? Too busy at work, too many personal commitments, too many family commitments, this birthday party, this wedding, this whatever, you know, that was occupying all of my time. And in that moment, I was like, no, I need to figure my life out. And if I couldn't run away in that exact moment, when could I? And I looked at my schedule and I was like, okay, I'm going to schedule this breakdown. I am going to take all of June off (laughs) and here's how I'm going to do that. But I had to plan for it. And it was many months away from that moment in my closet. But you know, it, it was a it was scheduling a breakdown, but now that I look back on it, it wasn't a breakdown. It was a breakthrough, right? right? right. Even yeah. having to put the time on the books for myself was a big moment for me because I was picking me, right? Mm-hmm. I was picking my wellness, my well-being, right. and giving it time, even if that time was out there in the future. But I was determined to sort it out. And um, this was the way that I was going to sort it out by planning for it and making it happen, even though it wasn't going to happen for for a really long time. And ultimately, that scheduled breakdown became the biggest breakthrough of my of my life. Talk to me for a moment about one of the experiences you had with the silent yoga retreat. (laughs) That was interesting to read. (laughs) 
Yeah, part of my month off when I decided to have this scheduled breakdown, I wanted to do a few small things where it was very easy for me to be gone for a few days. You know, I knew I couldn't run off to Italy or Bali like Elizabeth Gilbert and Eat, Pray, Love, but I could do some small things um, in my everyday life to gain a deeper connection with myself. And going on a yoga retreat was always sort of a bucket list item, but I never could make it work. The timing never worked. Um, but then, you know, the stars sort of aligned in that month and an old yoga teacher uh, that I was able to reconnect with had a silent yoga retreat happening during those days. I had never contemplated doing a silent <laughs> yoga retreat, but yeah. it fit my mm -hmm time. It was, you know, it was something that I could do, I could afford, and I, I went for it. And quite honestly, that silence uh, was part of what really uh, changed my life. So much so that I've gone back to that same silent yoga retreat multiple times. And I find lots of ways in my regular everyday life to embrace silence and just being in deep quiet for as long as I can. And I have found that to be so transformative. It's definitely been one of my favorite healing practices. When we speak of silence, there's a quality to it, right, Deepika? Do you feel there's something within silence? It's not really empty. There's something there. Oh, the silence speaks to you, right? right? So the silence yeah. connects to you. The silence, I think, gets underneath the layers of noise that we create in our lives and allow us to connect at such a deeper level. To me, the silence was cleansing almost, mm, right? Yeah, the way yeah. we take a shower, you yeah. know, to, to feel clean at the end of the day. For me, silence was something I could soak in and it would literally cleanse me. It would wash away the noise. It would wash away all the stuff of life that I didn't really need. But yet it occupied so much of my airspace. So... For me, I, I heard best in silence. After the journey you went through, which I call a spiritual journey of self-discovery, were you able to integrate, balance all these um, aspects of your life, parts of your life, or you actually had to remove and stop doing some of the things you were doing before? Yes, I had to stop doing so many things, right? I had to get myself out of a relationship that did not serve me. I had to remove uh, friends and acquaintances and honestly, meaningless contacts yeah. that were not serving me yet were occupying my time. I had to take away activities that I was doing just to do or just to show other people on social media that I was doing um, because they weren't serving me. So I really kind of like a spring cleaning of your closets. It was like a cleaning, spring cleaning of my life. I took off anything that I didn't extract any value or, or joy from, and I removed it. And so much so I really cleansed and created a life that was 
uh, more minimal. Um, and I don't mean minimal as in I'm living in a log cabin with a little, little, uh, fire pit or something, which would be lovely if that's what somebody wants yeah. to do. But that wasn't for me. What I mean by minimal is I extracted all the things that did not give me any joy. And I retained the things that really did and or added things that really allowed me to connect. So I do far fewer social obligations. I uh, don't do a ton of activities um, in my week. I work and I I enjoy the home time, which is why during this pandemic, Mm, um, it was actually another layer of sinking deeper into this. So while so many were challenged to be home or to not have as much going on. For me, it was a deepening of practices that I was already embracing. And in that sense, it further elevated my commitment to kind of this uh, more minimal lifestyle, right? And that that just really proved great dividends for me in terms of allowing the silence to soak in and all these healing practices to have space in my life. So we're almost at the end and I have so many other points here, but let's talk for a moment about what is to be authentic. Do you connect being authentic to having spiritual practices? And another question related to it, connected, is how do we know when we are finally there in a sense of authenticity? Ooh, well, I think on the latter part of it, I'll start there. I don't know if we ever know if we're all the way there, you know, but I think we have indicators in our life that that can help us understand if we're being our most um, authentic self or not. Right. So when things start to feel out of alignment or there's that resistance that we talked about earlier, you've probably drifted slightly away from something that feels very authentic to you. So using these markers that we get in our life, the, the sparks, the intuition, just the feelings of, of life, as long as you're staying in a place that feels good to you, you are likely in that authentic space. You are likely in that authentic rhythm. But is authenticity always achieved through a spiritual practice? I mean, that's a great question. For me, the path to authenticity came through embracing these spiritual practices. But yet I do see people um, out there who are very true to themselves, are very aligned, but may not actually have or do a lot of what I'm talking about today or what you were talking about today. And I think, you know, maybe they came to this world with kind of a greater degree of, a, of alignment. And for some of us, we've had to work our way into that. And sure. that's perfectly okay. So everyone's path is unique. Everyone's path is their own. Um, but for me, I had to work at it. I didn't come uh, fully aligned. <laughs> or if I did, I got really misaligned for a while there. So. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yes, uh, can very much relate to it. And lots of us can. I love your clarity, Deepika, your wisdom and clarity. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. At the end of your book, I love what you say here to keep unlocking more of yourself, continuing to see the depth of love within yourself to see the magic of your existence. So I love that this phrase because it goes back to the self-love and love itself. That's my 
my mark or that's my measure, the way I know that I am in alignment with what you call the universe or, or intuition, it's love. When there's no judgment, but just this open space, open-hearted kind of perspective about life, that's when I know. For some people, like you said, this is like, it's natural to them to do it. It's not really uh, practiced. There's no need for, to be aware of that even. That's how they manifest themselves here, which is wonderful to see. And I have seen that a lot in simple people, whatever that means, but most of them, they live in a very simple way, in the country, close to nature. There's something about them. That kind of makes me think about all these practices we do to get there, but they're already there. It might be because they chose to experience this human life close to nature, which is not apart from us, but we are nature itself. So it might be that. Not sure. Yeah, I think, you know, when we're connected to our environment or connected to the sunshine, to the moonlight, to the flowers, to all of that, we are, it, it again sparks something within us, right? That we can feel very connected to. And I know for me, when I'm out in nature, I again, feel that cleansing feeling, right? I feel that feeling that I am, uh, even more connected to the universe in those moments because I am in its creation at that moment. And that feels really magical to me. Um, and that's why I say in the quote that you read, there's just so much to unlock with all of this, right? So you find what resonates for you and leverage that to unlock more of all this world has to offer. And yeah, I think sometimes people who are that deeply connected to their land or to the outdoors, they they have that connection almost built in in some ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something to explore more. Interesting. So we are almost at the end and I have these final questions for you. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Oh, it's such an honor that you have had me um, on this podcast today and to talk with you and to hear your healing uh, voice as, as we converse on these topics. I appreciate it um, so much. I think the thing about the book that I would just share is it is my story. Um, it was my wake up call, but really it's a story for everyone. Um, I take you on my journey, but I do it um, so that you can all have this the tools that you need to see that your story matters, the way you navigate your life matters, and finding who you are meant to be and what you are meant to offer to this world matters too. Success. What is your idea of success these days? Success for me these days is just this feeling like everything is constantly coming together. My marker of success before used to be, you know, the nice cars and the nice house and the nice vacation and the nice person, the whatever. My marker of success today is that I feel happy and aligned and moving forward in the direction that I meant to and having so much clarity on that. That to me is success right now. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Oh, that's a hard one. You know, I think this 
the change that I would make is as a mom with my daughter. I mean, she's the number one. She is my the legacy, right, that I will leave behind. And I think the one thing that I would change is as a mom, sometimes we get into, okay, hurry up, let's get this, let's go here. Like you get into your mom mode. And uh, I, I try to be a very connected parent. And I think just uh, leaving mom mode behind more often would be even better. It would be even better to just be, just be, would be uh, pretty great. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Life is beautiful. Life is speaking to you each and every day. You just need to listen to it. And life requires, I want to say courage, right? We're going to keep finding new experiences, new things to traverse, and we're going to go at it with a lot of courage as we do it. Thank you so much, Deepika, for your presence, your beautiful presence, authentic, clear, the work you do, and everything in between that could be felt. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You can visit my website at helloyouniversitsme.com and you can catch me over at Instagram at helloyouniversitsme. Um, and if you're on LinkedIn, come join my LinkedIn community. I love um, talking with professionals in that capacity. You can find me at Deepika Sandhu. Wonderful. I'll have your website listed on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Deepika, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Deepika Sandhu and her work, please visit HelloUniverseIt'sMe.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.